I'm Suzy Leblanc, and it's my great pleasure today for this podcast to welcome our guest, Ariel Abramovich. Hello, Ariel. Hello, Suzy. Nice to meet you. Nice Very to nice. Meet. Yes. We're so looking forward to your performance in Vancouver. Um, for those who don't know Ariel, he's a brilliant musician, a lutenist, and a specialist of Renaissance music. Um, and I'd like to take a moment just to talk about how you began your musical journey in your life, assuming you may not have started right on the lute. No, actually, I started with the, the electric guitar. And, uh, and at some point, I discovered, thanks to uh, one of the teachers I had, some of the ECM recordings of some acoustic guitar players. And uh, I just fell in love with the, with the sort of the acoustic sound. And that led me to the classical guitar. And that's when I discovered Renaissance music and, and particularly Vihuela music when I was very young still. Hmm, that's wonderful. And exactly what I wanted to speak about because your concert in Vancouver with the singer Maria Cristina Kia uh, is songs that you play and you accompany the whole concert on Vihuela. So I think um, we know, and our audience tends to know what a lute is, of course, uh, but the vihuela is not so familiar to us. So can you tell us something the, about the origin of this instrument and what actually differs from a lute? What, what's so different between a vihuela and a lute? Well, the difference is quite subtle in terms of the way that the resonance and so on, but the function was pretty much the same. Uh, lute music was playing on the vihuela and vice versa. Some vihuela pieces were actually printed in lute books. So, but the Iwela was mainly played in the Iberian Peninsula. So in what we call today Spain and Portugal, and also in the Aragonese uh, Naples, and you know, all the way through Milano because it was under Spanish uh, domain back then. And uh, well, the difference is a, is a sort of a guitar shaped instrument uh, with the, the, the body doesn't have the same air volume that of a lute is a bit shallower. And that gives perhaps, and this is the most distinct, uh, distinctive uh, aspect of it, it gives a different uh, sort of clarity when it comes to polyphony. It doesn't have the resonance that a lute has. So it has a more yeah, direct uh, and clear sound. But this, of course, depends you know, every instrument. It's really hard to tell. Of course, yeah. But in uh, the tuning, is it similar to a guitar then? Tuning is identical, identical to that of the lute, of the Renaissance lute. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Just exactly the same. Yeah. So it sort of looks like a guitar, but it's basically more like a lute. It's, yeah, I would say so, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and it's also lightly built, like like a lute. Uh, yeah. uh, it has you know tight frets, uh, as as in the Renaissance lute. It's pretty much the same. But yes. let's go back to, the, to this concert, actually. So this is your group, Armonia Concertada, that you started yeah. in 2013 with Maria Cristina Kia. Mm -hmm. And so this is very interesting because you arrange pieces. You, you basically created a new songbook that you called Imaginario. So tell us about what this is and, and how you went about it. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a alternative history exercise, you know, like a bit playing with that. It's a basically a fictionary book, um, 
But I always thought, you know, we only have seven books for Vihuela published in, in, in Spain in the 16th century, which are fantastic and, and with a serious amount of music that, you know, one could, could spend, spend a lifetime uh, discovering and developing. But I always thought, oh, okay, what happened before the first one and after the last one? And uh, the first program we did with Maria Cristina in 2013, it was about the, the first hypothesis, what happened before. So I did a lot of arrangements uh, with music from before the first Vihuela group, from the, from the Spanish Cancion de Songbooks, the, the you know, Cancion de Palacio, all this, this music we, we know. And then, of course, I always thought about, okay, what about the eighth book uh, published after, after the latest one published actually in, in 1576. Uh, so I was thinking about the, the very ending of the, the Vihuela period, the Vihuela age, which started fading towards the end of the 16th century. So the, the guitar was, it was the, the Baroque uh, guitar was getting terrain. That's that's what made it fade, basically, the, the arrival of the guitar. Okay. That's that's what they that's what they say. Of course, they, they, the two of them uh, coexisted and, and, you know, things were never so linear, so to speak. But uh, that was that was the thing. Okay, how? Uh, what about the music? What about the you know the, the the composers that they would have selected for arranging? There were a few of them that were quite quite obvious, like Josquin, which is you know exist present in five out of the seven books, and then of course some of the Italians like Arcadel or Villaert, well, also Flemish, but working in in Italy for that matter, and and also. One of the pieces, like that, that I that I chose, I, I played two pieces by Cipriano de Rore, who was not included in any of the Vihuela anthologies, but we have one of his pieces in Antonio de Cabezón, the, the the keyboard player. So that you know, a lot of things that could have been possible, and some of them were used uh, as an excuse for basically for arranging this this, this music and making my versions. But most of them were actually referenced to, to, to the actually uh, to the real Viola books, from a literary point of view or from a merely musical decision. Yes, and and this was quite current anyway to arrange music for one singer and the lute or the vihuela in this case. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just about you know keeping the the tradition alive. So, so there is nothing really strange or uh, arbitrary in, in, in yeah, this project. Yeah. Let's hear one of the pieces uh, from your recording with Maria Cristina. I really like this one. Quien dice que la ausencia causa olvido? Can you present it for us? Yeah, that is actually a wonderful poem by Juan Boscan, who was one of the most uh, important poets in, in the 16th century here. And he's one of the responsible of some other poets experimenting with the sonnet uh, form uh, structure. In, in, in Spanish literature. But uh, it's, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at translating, of course, but it's a, say something like that who, who claims that absence of uh, forgetfulness, yes. it deserves to be forgotten. Uh, so so that, that is the title. It is quite, a, quite an interesting one. And the piece is only a three-part composition, but it's so cleverly written that it was, um, yeah, it was very tempting to, to turn it into a Vihuela song, to a solo song. I'm very glad that you did. I absolutely love the song, so we're hearing it now. Thank you.
really exciting about your, your trajectory and your career and what you do in your projects is that you're keeping this tradition alive, but also you're, you're really interested in so many other things. And I want to talk about a special project that you have, which is uh, these secret history recordings for ECM uh, yeah. with your alternative history band. Um, so this is a fantastic project. Can you tell us a little bit more about this project? Yeah. I can tell you quickly how it started. In 2008, I think that I, I wanted to come back to the lute song repertoire to, uh, with, a, with an English singer. That's what I wanted. To, you know, for, a, for a non-English uh, person, it's, it's a bit of an ideal kind of thing. There is something about the sound addiction and everything. And of course, I, I thought of, of John as one of the main sort of English singers. And I sent him an email. Uh, you know, he knew anything about me. <laughs> and he said, okay, yes, we can try that. And I, I got to see gig in Spain. And, and we started working quite a lot. And we were doing a Dowland and Campion program. And then we did a musical banquet when it, the anniversary came. So, and uh, he had the idea of asking some rock musicians to compose uh, songs for us. And he actually sent uh, yeah, this proposition to, to many of them. Uh, quite famous jo ones. Quite famous ones. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Sting <laughs> and uh, Tony Banks uh, from Genesis. Then John Paul Jones, uh, Led Zeppelin, former bass player, but also some other, uh, such as I think it was uh, uh, Bill Bruford. Then I don't think if he contacted Robert Fried or not, but you know a number of those, and uh, some of them that, that rejected uh, very, very not very sort of kindly, but they they, they refused. But but you know John Paul Jones, uh, he actually came to see us and 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 see the instruments and you know evaluate the possibilities and he, he brought us a piece uh, which haven't we haven't recorded yet but uh but we will hopefully mm -hmm. and uh sting i think he gave us yeah he gave us this one song that that he originally had intended for something else but it didn't work out so and then tony banks brought a, a number of pieces for us some of which we recorded in amores pasados this, this cd for ecm yeah and how is that we, we started and we of course we expanded the group we we had, uh, we, still, we still have, you know, of course, Ana Maria Freeman and Jacob Herringman, my, my colleague and friend. And we have been doing quite a lot over the years. And okay, we stopped because of the pandemic and now we're back. So we started, you know, we recorded a few, a few things a couple of days ago. So, you know, has been a very rewarding project. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely wonderful. I'd love to play an excerpt of one of these ECM recordings. And um, it's a recording that I have at home and that I listen to a lot. And one of my favorite ones is Soel Encina. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah, that is part of the, the trilogy uh, with the title Amores Pasados, uh, which John Paul Jones wrote in the 80s for, for John Potter and his ensemble back then, Redbird, I think it was. And we did a new version for, for this recording. And uh, the first one, I think it is Al Son de los Arroyuelos, is a poem by Lope de Vega. The second one, which is Solencina, is an anonymous poem from the 15th, yeah, 15th century. No, sorry, the second one is uh, No Dormía by Gustavo Adolfo Becker, which is um, uh, sort of a modern writer from Seville. And the third part of the trilogy is Soil Encina, which is a 15th century uh, poem that has actually a musical version in the Cancionero de Palacio, if I remember correctly, which is very different, of course. But it's a, yeah, it's a very sort of 
simple and very beautifully written piece by John Paul. Yes, kind of an infectious melody. So here it is, an excerpt from Solencina. Solencina, Encina, Solencina, Encina, Solencina, Encina, Solencina, Encina. Ariel, let's talk about your recording of uh, Moran's River God from his choral set songs of springtime, which you, I think, just recorded with John Potter. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah few, I think it less than 10 days ago, yeah. Yes, and um, so I'm curious about this. I'd love to play this as, as the uh, music that we go out on for everyone. But is it arranged? Did you arrange this also? It was Jacob Herring, I believe, the arrangement uh, for two lutes in, in you know, fourth apart and two voices. And so what is the original scoring of the piece? Uh, actually, I think it is four voices, but okay. uh, like there is an arrangement. And there are some divisions, and it's pretty much an intabulation, as you know, the, the yeah. old. But that's what did. I loved exactly the fact that even with this newer music, um, you are continuing the tradition of intabulating, which is, you know, I'm sure that pop musicians do that all the time as well. But it's just so fantastic yeah. to see that the line hasn't been broken. No, 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 it's true. Yeah, yeah. That's, and we do that a lot. I mean, I do that a lot as well with pretty much all of my projects. Yeah. And before we listen to it, I just want to repeat that your concert then is at Pacific Spirit Church on April 27th with Maria Cristina Kier, the wonderful angelic soprano. And before on April 26th, you're also doing a lecture recital at Green College at UBC. Uh, and I think you will be also bringing your vihuela to that concert. And perhaps Maria will join you for a few songs, but uh, we really look forward to both of those occasions to hear you more. Thank you so much for this talk. Thank you and look, look forward to seeing you in person then. Me too. 